0: What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, ketosavage.com, and I have special guest Lauren Berryhill on the line today. Lauren is a super cool person. She's been a keto coach for a while now. She's lost over 100 pounds. She's just like certified awesome. So, without further ado, how are you, Lauren?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am great. I am great. So you've been kind of making some waves in the keto community here lately. Just kind of dive into that and give everybody the that's listening a little background on who you are and what brought you into this space in the first place.
1: Um, so I like to start out by saying I haven't always been overweight uh, my entire life. I have suffered with uh, body dysmorphia from an early age, and so even though I wasn't overweight, I um still viewed myself as overweight and so i've always struggled with body image issues but uh from probably college on up i just kind of continued to put on the weight which is normal for <laughs> most people uh who go through those phases of life and um ended up marrying my high school sweetheart and we got comfortable, which is kind of normal for most people. But we got comfortable. We uh, both gained a lot of weight. And then pregnancy happened. And um, I got pregnant. I gained about 50 pounds during my pregnancy. And over the course of time uh I suffered with a, a binge eating disorder and uh it kind of intensified during my pregnancy and helped in uh me gaining all of that weight and so post pregnancy um I you know did everything that I could I've honestly felt like I've always been on a diet my entire life even when I didn't really need to be um, but when when I had our son, you know, I was suffering from postpartum depression, um, dealing with losing myself, and just overall like unhappy. And I went through about um, I would say a good eight eight months or so of. Uh, trying to just lose weight however I could, whether it be jumping back and forth from Weight Watchers to doing some crazy shakes, you know, like a liquid diet to, I mean, anything. And um, I was able to lose about 60 pounds up until the, the point I started keto, but it was very unhealthy. It was restrictive eating. I mean, there was one point when I was like down to 800, 900 calories and literally starving. Um, and so I guess it was, uh, December of 2016 when I just was at my lowest point thinking that this is just what I was going to look like for the rest of my life and that I had to accept what I was and what I had become. And then I don't know what changed. I don't know what's I can't really pinpoint or remember the spark that was just like, no, this is not it uh, for me. There is more. Um, A friend introduced me to keto and and she had never done it. And um, it was just something that we were all going to try. And January 15th, 2017 was when I started keto and I haven't looked back. I mean, I've literally done I had done everything prior to that and was like, why not give it a try? I'm gonna give it a solid four weeks and see where it goes. And in that four weeks I lost almost a total of twenty five pounds.
0: Wow, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, it was it was insane. And the drastic weight loss obviously reeled me in. Um that was one thing that won me over. But obviously, the constant energy the the fact that I was able to keep up with my son, um, the fact that, you know, I was experiencing all these positive things. It was just, it was phenomenal. Um, And then I had my first cheat. And that is what kind of set me back. Um, You know, I've always viewed diets as I'm gonna do really good. And then I'm going to treat myself because I deserve to, you know, do that. And um, it took me a few good, hard lessons of why I shouldn't cheat to realize that this was no longer another, just another diet, that it was, it was truly a lifestyle change. And that if I needed, if I was going to heal my binge eating disorder, I was going to heal everything else about me uh that i needed to completely break my addiction with carbs and with sugar and that was probably about 6 months into keto was when i realized that
0: i'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit and kind of go from the beginning yeah there's a whole bunch of questions i have now <laughs> <laughs> that's um, okay so so before before college you said you you weren't overweight mm-hmm. but you suffered from like body dysmorphia what do you think Trigger that?
1: Um. Honestly, I think a lot of it just has to do with our society and how um, there's so much pressure on teenage girls and females and in general, just uh, to look a certain way. And I've always been, in my eyes, I've always been a little bit Bigger girl. I've never been a skinny, slim girl, and I've always had curves. And so, uh, you know the <laughs> the image that that is thrown out there nowadays, and even when I was younger, was you know you want to be a size zero, you want to be a size this, and so it was just constant pressure of uh, you know wanting to look like what I saw, and just struggling to to see myself for what I was, even though I wasn't big, even though I wasn't, you know, overweight, I was still, I still struggled with that. Um, And being five foot one and having a doctor, like say, you know, you're five foot one, you're 135 pounds, you really should be 112 or 115. Like doctors putting you in that kind of stigma It really kind of messes Mm -hmm. with you too.
0: When when did that manifest itself into like the the binge eating? Like the binge eating was before you had uh, your son or after?
1: I've suffered from binge eating probably since high school. Um, And binge eating for me was like, it was more like hiding it. So, like, I would do really, really good um, in front of people and show people that I was doing. You know, really well, and then like I was that person that would go through McDonald's and get a bunch of food, and then throw the trash away before I would get home, and then no one would ever know. Like it was, it was that bad. I was that person.
0: It's kind of crazy you say that. Like I was talking to Crystal the other day, and she said that she used to do the same thing. She would go and get like a box of donuts or like you know Taco Bell or something, and she would like sneak it into her purse and like hide it from everybody that she lived with at the time it's just it's funny to me i mean it's not funny but it's it's, it's interesting to me that the people that binge they have um they hide it like there's like a psychological connection that it, that is i don't know it's embarrassment i guess but it, it's it's sad that there's so much you know stigma around food and what is and is not allowed that people are compelled to hide from others to eat you know no.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think it was, and you know, it's crazy is that when you do it, you know, you get that satisfaction from that food, but you instantly feel remorse and regret, and you're like, "Why did I just do that to myself?" And then I guess that's where it turns into uh, the the latter part which is the purging which i never experienced i'm very very thankful that i didn't have that part of the eating disorder it was just more so um i would go exercise like crazy and i would uh the next day i would starve myself i'd restrict my calories i would i mean it was it was terrible and uh and it is kind of crazy that that you just you had it and then i mean you feel bad about it after so it's like why do it? And it was so mental for me. It, it took a long time to break that.
0: What, where do you think? Um, so, like, you, you went to college, and then what, what was that stage of your life? Like, you know, you've left high school, you left living with your folks, and you're in college now, and you've got pretty much free reign to do everything. So, is that like when you started putting on more weight?
1: Well, so I actually my college was a little different than uh, than normal. So I actually still lived with my parents. I commuted to college. Uh, I went to UNC Chapel Hill for dental assisting, and it was about a year and a half program. And so I was still able to live at home. I wasn't required to live on campus, but um, I mean I spent <laughs> the majority of my time on campus. And so um, not only that, but I worked about I worked two jobs while I was in college so I was constantly eating fast food I was you know constantly just it was it was always on the go never nutritious foods Um, and at that point so I say I married my high school sweetheart we had split up for a couple years between Um, and so it was just kind of like you know I was Coasting in a way, just trying to find myself, and um, I, you know, started putting on a little bit of weight, and then ended up getting back with my uh, husband. And um, once we got back together, it was just that comfort, you know you you find the person that <laughs> that accepts you for who you are and loves you no matter what, and then uh, you get comfortable, and so. Yeah, we we both ended up kind of uh we were always cycling together, like dieting. Oh, let's count, you know, calories together, let's do this, and then we both fall off really hard and it was kinda like we used each other as a crutch. Um mm-hmm. it was it was pretty bad.
0: <laughs> what do you think? I mean, that that's like uh the norm more so than like the exception to the rule. Like you see that in a lot in people, you know, they they have a like a nine to five job, or they're in school, and they're just going through the motions of the day, and it, it becomes really easy to get comfortable and kind of set in like a pattern, routine way of living, and it's like you know training, kind of becomes more or less a you know less of a priority, and I don't know, it just it just seems like it's the way the society is structured. It makes it easy to fall into the trap of like less physical activity and more fast food.
1: Oh, it does absolutely. I mean, you know, we were eating out constantly. Um, just because, you know we we could, we had the freedom. And so then, you know, when we got married, i I think it was surprisingly, and no bride ever wants to admit this, but I was the biggest I had been my entire life when I got married. And so when I look back at that, I'm like, like, wow, I let myself go, and um my husband feels the same way and and we're just like, you know, who were we? Why did we let that happen? And, you know, we weren't big into exercising or, or training or anything prior to uh, to getting married. And um, I, I lifted in high school. We both lifted in high school. That's kind of how we met. We met in our weightlifting class in high school. And uh, we both loved it, but just never pursued it after the fact. And so then, you know, we, we were both overweight when we were married and then, um, it wasn't sh- but like six months after we got married was whenever we just started trying to get pregnant and it didn't take very long. And, and then, uh, we, we had our son. So up until the, uh, the pregnancy was over, I used that pregnancy as an excuse to, uh, eat as much as I wanted and be as lazy as I wanted and I don't it's hard to look back at that and uh and see myself as that person because I do not recognize that person at all
0: I'm gonna have to be very careful with anything that I say because I'm obviously (laughs) never gonna be pregnant uh, at least I hope not (laughs) no Um, (laughs) and uh you know like crystal you know if we ever decide to have kids you know I'm just like my mindset like I can just see myself you know all right, we gotta go train. You come on. You gotta you you gotta stay on top of it. Like, yeah. what what? Because a lot of people use that, you know, as like their their scapegoat almost. I mean, and another that's another thing that society has kind of like you know become lenient on. like if you're pregnant, it's like accepted to you know put on a lot more weight, more so than is necessary, and to just kind of relax and coast. But now that you've done that, and and you know you had the transformation that you have, and your keto now, and you, your lifestyle is totally shifted 180. What would you say? to your pregnant self, if you can go back and and, and talk to her now.
1: I would, I, number one, I would love, I don't think another child is in our future, but, um, I would love to go through a pregnancy keto. I think that it would be so amazing. So I guess I should mention, I did have some complications during my pregnancy. I had preeclampsia. Um, I had, really high blood pressure. I had a lot of swelling, things like that. So it got more complicated towards the end, but I, I do think that was a result of the weight loss and, or the weight gain. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, if, if I could go back, if I could go back, um, I would have taken, taken the entire pregnancy more seriously because it wasn't just my life that I was you know, putting it jeopardy. It was my son's too. I mean, I have no idea how I didn't suffer from, uh, gestational diabetes because after my pregnancy, I was considered pre-diabetic. Like they considered putting me on a diet, like a preventative diabetes medicine. And I think that was probably one of the points when I was like, okay, it's time to wake up. Like, I'm not gonna be on a medicine my entire life or you know anything that's gonna gonna require me to you know be subject to something daily and I think that was probably one of the waking up moments was like I've got to change something otherwise I'm gonna end up like somebody else you know that's taken a, a medicine to control everything daily.
0: Was there like a particular low point? like was it like a lowest point or was or was that it when you realized that you were gonna have to be on the medication?
1: Um, I think, so I I suffered from postpartum depression and I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it until there was a moment when my mom kind of pointed it out and, and she was like, you're, you're miserable. You're not happy. You're not yourself, you know? And, and I mean, a lot of moms struggle with that. And it's something that a lot of times you can't control, but, um, you know, with the weight gain, not recognizing myself, not realizing like, how far I had let myself go. Um, it, was, it was probably about six months after my son was born that I was, it was the lowest point. And that's when I started trying to lose weight was, um, was when I hit that point. I didn't, I mean, I remember looking in the mirror, like not even recognizing myself, like wondering in that before picture that you see on, uh, on social media where I'm standing in front of the mirror, like, (laughs) raw and real. That was the point when I was like, who am I? And so uh, from then on, it was trying to find myself trying to understand that it was okay to put myself first, um, even though, you know, because a lot of moms struggle with that. A lot of women who become wives and who become moms lose their identity in being a mom. And I experienced that firsthand. And, um, you know, it it was evident that self-care was something that I had to work on. That's something I never did growing up was, you know, being kind to myself, being gentle to myself and trying to learn to love myself. And so that was probably the hardest part was, trying to do that (laughs) even though I was at my lowest point.
0: What, what kind of like actionable steps did you do to like manifest that? Like, what did you do? Like if somebody's listening to this and going through something similar, like what are some action steps they could take?
1: Yeah. So, um, it started out by just like, you know, I felt kind of weird, you know, writing out stuff and putting it on the mirror or, putting reminders in my phone or or saying things out loud, but it, it literally took me looking at myself in the mirror in the form that I was overweight and unhappy saying like, the reason you're wanting to lose weight is because you do love yourself. The reason that you are doing this is because you love your family. You care about yourself. You are worthy. Um, Those are things that I, I had to, it had to learn to to like to do, Mm -hmm. Um, and I I'm way more you know comfortable doing them now when I'm feeling low at all. But uh, it's not easy to to look at yourself in the mirror and not be happy, but tell yourself like I love myself enough to do this for me, and so you know i'd write out sticky notes and and write i am enough i am worthy i am beautiful i am all these things that i didn't believe in my head that i'd constantly have to repeat to myself to the point when where i would finally have to believe it and so it didn't happen overnight but it eventually worked um, and i hate to say that you know losing weight and having the transformation was the reason Why? Because I mean, you, you want to love yourself in that moment when you're at your lowest, because, you know, that's when it's the toughest. But, you know, loving yourself throughout the entire process is something that I try really, really hard to instill in my clients, because it makes the entire process a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. It's it's easy. Like, if it looks like you have all your stuff together on the outside, people just assume that, you know, you don't understand, yada, yada, yada. But everybody's got their own, like, low spots and demons. And honestly, like, one of the mo- most common questions that I ask on podcasts is really to elaborate on, like, your lowest point. Because hearing you talk about your lowest point or hearing other guests that have on here talk about their lowest point, like, it brings to the forefront of my mind, like, the, the low points. And it makes you appreciate how far you've come, but then it makes you more relatable for people that are going through something similar. And I think that is is paramount.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree. That's uh, that's one thing that I try really, really hard to do on social media and, and the platform that I'm trying to build is making sure that people know like I'm human. And, um, you know, you see a lot of people who who preach fitness and who preach nutrition, but they've never been overweight and they've never gone through that hard part. And so um, the fact that that I've been through it, uh, it, I, I, like people to understand that I'm human. I've, I've gone through, it. I understand 100% where they are. And I think that's, that's where a lot of people can relate to me, um, because yeah, it, you know, I've, I've been
0: there. 100%. I think, you know, relatability speaks a lot more volume than just, you know, an expert in a field with no history. Of how far they've yeah. come, you know, like having that to be able to point to and say, look, I was not always like this. You know, this is where I started. That's mm-hmm. honestly one of the reasons I think vlogging is like therapeutic. Like it, it gives like documenting the journey and the process. I mean, regardless of what that is or whatever that looks like for you. I mean, having that to look back on and see your progression. I mean, that is like that is you can't put a price on that.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I mean, I've watched back your vlogs, you know, from. From the beginning when you started, and it is so cool to see like you have that whole experience, like from when you started to now. Just, I mean, just your growth in general is awesome. But like you have that to reflect on, it's it's insane.
0: Absolutely. So so talk about kind of what what's going on now because you've you've had this this transfer. Actually, real quick on some stats. Like, what was the the heaviest you got to? I was two
1: hundred and thirty two pounds.
0: 232 pounds. And then what What are you mm-hmm.
1: now? Um, I fluctuate between like 135 and 140. Um, you know, as a lifter that <laughs> it fluctuates so crazily, especially when you're trying to gain muscle and stuff. But um, at my lowest, which I hit in March of this year, I was 129. So I, I lost a total of 103 pounds.
0: That's crazy.
1: It's, I mean, look yeah. at the
0: transformation, it's, 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 um, uh, it's impressive. I mean, like everybody's got transformation pictures or not everybody, a lot of people have transformation pictures, but it's so cool that you've taken yours and you've transformed it into something that, that is a story that you can help other people with. Like right now, like you're putting yourself out there on social media, you're, you're, you know, helping others. So, so talk about that. that's, that's like where, that's what makes it full circle. And that's where you like really start adding value. And then it just becomes so much more real.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, the goal for me was always, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. And that's what everybody's goal is. And so, um, once I hit that goal weight, I realized that I, I couldn't maintain that number, that, that low number, that body composition. Um, it just wasn't maintainable. It's kind of like for someone who does a show, And, uh, you know, you can't maintain that level of leanness. It's not healthy. And Mm -hmm. so I've put a little bit more weight back on. And in doing that, um, you know, I show my clients that it's, it's okay to like, not hit, like if you hit a goal weight, it's okay to not stay there. And so, um, I, I try really hard to make sure that they know, like, you know if you want to see your body change you have to be willing to change your body composition you know lifting things like that but um as far as like helping people i guess you know being at my heaviest and then getting down to my lowest um and then showing people you know what a maintainable weight loss looks like that's that's kind of my goal is i mean i I just posted about this today on Instagram. I'm not one to maintain. I don't, I don't want to maintain a certain weight or a certain body type. I I constantly want to strive to change and, you know, whether that be losing a little bit more body fat or gaining muscle. um, But that's, that's one way that I'm trying to to help people to understand is that, you know, your goal is weight loss, but at the same time, it's like, you know. You need to not only be wanting to lose weight, but you want to be changing your your lifestyle in in general as a whole. Um, you want to change your outlook on, on life. Like that's probably the biggest part of my job is is trying to just get people to understand that you can't be the same person you were a month ago before you started doing keto or you know, a diet, you can't stay that person if you want to truly make a life change. And so a lot of what I do is, you know, the nutrition coaching, the macro coaching, things like that. But also, it's, you know, the psychological part, whereas I've been through all of those struggles, I try to get them to realize that, you know, it's a process, you're, you're going to fail, but you're also going to get back up because you can't accept failure. Like, that's where a lot of people struggle. And that's why they reach out to a coach, you know, that because you coach uh, as well. Um, you know, they need somebody to help pull them back up. And so not letting people fail, and then seeing the real person in me. Whereas, you know, when I'm sharing my story, I'm letting them know, like, yep, I did keto for four weeks, and then I cheated. I did it for four weeks again, you know, an ate a total of eight weeks, and I cheated again. And it was just every time that I would cheat, it was just another lesson. Like, this isn't this isn't what I you know what I'm striving to do. I'm striving to change my life, not have to do this, and getting people to realize that it's it's a true change, and uh, and just that that's probably my biggest goal is to help people find freedom from dieting.
0: I really, really, really like your outlook on that. And it's, it's very similar to mine because so many people, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like it's like, to me, like as a bodybuilder, it just seems like a natural process. I mean, there's like a cutting phase and a building phase, but that is like a, not, not so much a a natural or a known, uh, you know, cycle. So it's kind of, um, it's strange to hear people talk about what their their dieting goals are because it's like indefinitely they just want to continue to cut forever and like there's mm-hmm. they're gonna run out of runway at some point uh so yeah. you know to hear you say that you've got to cycle it and not just simply try and maintain it once you reach the goal you know maintenance isn't really a goal like it's just a uh, like stagnant you know who wants to be stagnant so exactly. recognizing you know that your body is going to benefit and your mind is going to benefit from cycling you know, from one to the other, all within like a sustainable fashion. Like when I talk about cycling, I don't talk about you know yo yo dieting, but oh, you know yeah. going from like a building phase to a cutting phase and then improving that with each cycle year after year after year, compounded over time, you're gonna have like exponential growth uh, and benefit from it. But yeah, like hearing you say that, I mean it's it's good because people, I mean they, they when you have like a goal and you accept that you have to cycle to reach that goal and make that more sustainable then it, it works with people psychologically and it makes them okay with putting on a few extra pounds in the off season or like in a building yeah. phase or, you know, accepting the fact that they're not going to be their strongest when they're going into a cutting phase. Like that realization is, is, is very important.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend that it's easy for me to, to, to look at where I was. I was at 129 pounds, you know, in March and I've gained weight since then, but it's just knowing knowing your body, knowing how you're how you carry yourself and and how you can like I I don't know. I'm I'm constantly trying to improve my strength. I'm constantly trying to, you know, just change the way things are. I I enjoy being strong over <laughs> uh being skinny, if that makes sense. Like I, I would yeah. much rather be able to, you know, hit PRs in the gym, than just to maintain a skinny look. And so, uh, it's, it's still a struggle for me to, to know that I'm going to have to, and continue to either, you know, have a little bit of extra weight on me. But at the same time, it's important for me to show other people that, you know, you don't have to just always be dieting. Um, that, I mean, if that's the goal, then what is life? <laughs> if you're never, yeah. if you're never trying to to build your and I know that's not everybody's like thing. I I understand. Nobody wants to. I mean, not everybody wants to to build muscle and then cut and see what they've built. But that's just that's something that I've fallen in love with is is you know building something over a certain amount of time and then and then shedding it to see what uh what you've you've built and all your hard work paying off
0: yeah i agree it's funny i mean it translates into multiple different sports like not necessarily just like you know like the physical look of like bodybuilding or like figure competitors for instance but i was i was talking to uh will i had him on the podcast he's a rock climber and he was like he'll cycle you know in the off season put on some extra you know fat and then when he he's training He's, he's got more weight that he's carrying around rock climbing so that when he does cut down from like a competition or a tournament or something, he's able to, you know, mirror the same concept as, you know, like a competitor that cuts down. And then he benefits yeah. from being at a lighter weight for that competition. So it's, I mean, yeah. whatever your sport is, I mean, I think there's a definite benefit to, you know, treating your, your body like in cycles with regard to nutrition.
1: I totally agree. I don't ever have. Um. I don't ever have a goal to do like a show or anything like that. It's just a personal love for, for doing it. And that, that kind of goes back into like finding myself, uh, you know, I, I explained to you losing myself in the weight law or in the weight gain and, uh, as a mom and everything. And so when I found keto, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people say like, you don't want to identify with something, but identifying with keto helped me to realize, you know, who I, who I was becoming. And then I found my passion for lifting and, and how I enjoyed it as my outlet. And, uh, and so just the, the passion of, of lifting and building and, seeing how far i can push myself because i'm the only one that can do that is just it's it's a high like none other
0: i totally agree i think i'll be able to twist your arm to do a competition eventually though
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i do kind of worry though like especially watching crystal and i have so much respect for her going through her prep and And how awesome she did. And then, you know, having struggled with the binge eating. I think that's one big fear that I have is that maybe that binge eating will come back. And that terrifies me.
0: I mean, in all honesty, it's very likely to come back uh, temporarily. But if you're able to, I mean, kind of like looking at what we said earlier about cycling, like if you, you know, do this competition and then that adds more perspective. And even if you have that temporary you know, relapse into binging, but then you're able to correct course there. I mean, think about how empowering that would be from like a perspective as far as, you know, you went to the extreme and then was able to reel it back in. And now you have that in your history as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I've had so many people say, you've gotten this far. Like, why don't you, why don't you push? You love pushing yourself. Why don't you push yourself to go a little farther in it? It's crossed my mind a time or two. I, I've thought about uh, reaching out to you and, and talking about it. I just don't even know where I would start with that. But <laughs> well,
0: if you ever want to like look into it seriously, I mean, definitely, definitely let me know, and I'll I'll do everything I can to help.
1: I will definitely do that. Um,
0: <laughs> what What about um? I'm curious, like you, you, with your clients, with what you've done with them, like what what are some common trends that you see like as as a coach I kind of pick up on pattern recognition that I have with my clients and everybody's different in an individual obviously but are there like specific patterns or trends that you see
1: um so the basis of my clientele is mainly moms who relate to my story uh wanting to lose the baby weight wanting to you know find themselves and find confidence and things like that. And so, uh, that's, I mean, that's typically the trend is, is, uh, is, I don't know. I, it's different than, I mean, there are some people who, you know, they just want to lose the weight and and they don't have any struggle and very, very minimal coaching required. and, And they follow, you know, everything that I tell them to do. But, um, then there's more of the part of the coaching that I, and passionate about is the mentality, like helping women change their mentality, helping them build their confidence and, you know, being strong within themselves. That's, that's kind of a bigger part of the coaching for me. Um, obviously the macros and tweaking things for them and, uh, figuring out which ratio is best for their body and, and, uh, changing up, you know, calories and intake and all that is a big part of it. But I find that a lot more of the work that I do is is that connection, that emotional connection. Um, I guess, in a way, a lot of people refer to me as like a, a life coach with that as well. It, it all goes hand in hand, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's all kind of symbiotic nature. Like you get to have the right mindset to be able to manifest that physically, you know.
1: Mhm.
0: what about uh like some of the experiments that you've done like the the carnivore i was talking to you before we started recording you had mentioned that you'd done a carnivore experiment how'd that go kind of elaborate on that
1: <laughs> oh gosh that was so i set out to uh to do carnivore as as an experiment uh i was i think i was hoping for weight loss um And I'm not really sure why. I think it was like I've said, I I was kind of at a lost point, not really sure where I wanted to be. I knew I I know I want to build muscle, but I also didn't want to carry around some extra body fat. So I was like, hey, everyone talks about carnivore. And and I want to see the difference in how keto and carnivore, you know, compare. And I want to see what a higher protein uh, does to me. And I mean, there are people who keep their fat higher on carnivore. but you know, from the things that I've read, it's not as beneficial if you're supplementing a lot of fats. And so I think my protein ratio was around like twenty six percent at one point. I think my fat was down to like sixty five, and it was just horrible. I found that <laughs> I was constantly hungry. Um, I was trying to maintain a deficit. Wow, and it was a very minimal deficit, but just still trying to maintain a deficit. So I would, I knew that I would be losing, but I was so hungry. I was eating around twenty three to twenty four hundred calories a day in meat. Really, it was insane. And now, I mean, I I train five to six days a week, and so my training sessions are usually an hour to two hours. Um, so I know that I require more calories, but that was excessive, and I was never satiated. I was always hungry. I mean, I would eat like a 16-ounce ribeye with two eggs, and I, my stomach would still be growling after the fact.
0: Wow. You initiated <laughs> this 6,000-calorie experiment with me.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> it was horrible. I don't know. I just – I'm so – and I didn't have like mental clarity. I didn't have – it was just everything that I'm everything that i used to with keto, with feeling really good. Because I think you and I have talked about it. I'm typically around like 78 to 80% fat ratio, and that is where I feel optimal. That's um, what mine is as well. Yeah, that's just – I don't know why, but that's what I feel optimal at. And my carbs typically are 10 to 15 grams total a day. And so I was like, hey – I can do. I can do carnivores. So I'm gonna have. I don't eat that many veggies. Little did I know, like how much that would have an effect on me. It was, and so the first, I guess it was the first two weeks. I dropped about like two pounds, three pounds, maybe that was it. And I dropped about seven and a half inches. But then it was week three, probably two and a half. Or week two to three was when I started noticing like I wasn't feeling really good. I was constantly staying hungry. Um, I was gaining weight. I ended up ending the carnivore experiment. I was supposed to do it for thirty days. I ended it on day twenty-two of uh, of the thirty, and I was up two pounds from where I started. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, and the whole
0: time you're in a deficit from where you were, where you were to begin with.
1: I was for the first week and a half, and then I just couldn't, I couldn't maintain the deficit because I was so hungry. So, um, it was I probably was eating around twenty-two to twenty-three hundred calories for a good like four days before I finally was like, I'm done. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Uh, Yeah.
0: Did you notice, like, when you stopped, did you go right back to like the eighty percent fat ratio?
1: So, uh, yeah. Well, kind of. So I tried to I tried to taper it just a little bit up to about seventy five, and it was just. I the for the past week I've been at about eighty percent, and and it's getting better. I'm still bloated. I guess, from it reintroducing veggies and and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I I went from 65% to 75%, and I'm around 78 right now. And that's that's where I typically feel best.
0: On, like, a, a perfect day of eating for you, like when your macros are dialed in and you're feeling optimal, what, what does a typical day of eating look like?
1: Food-wise? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. So, um, I like to have usually like ground beef of some sort, um, whether it be in the form of a burger or, um, or if I have a steak, just some kind of red meat, um, eggs, avocado, like half an avocado, which I could eat a whole one every day if, if my macros allowed it, but, (laughs) um, but that, um, I, I try to do minimal cheese. I, I do think I'm a little bit sensitive to the lactose and cheese, but heavy cream doesn't bother me. So I'll, I'll do two fatty coffees a day usually with butter, MCT oil and heavy cream. Um, and then I, you know, I may have bacon or, uh, it just depends. It, it, this week has been insane just because I've, been all over the place, not really like, you know, super strict because that that was actually the main reason why I stopped Carnivore, not only because I felt like absolute crap, but um, I started feeling those binge urges come back. And so I think the fact that I was so restricted, the fact that I was just restricted to meat, and so I don't know if I mentioned, I was doing like, I was trying to do no dairy there for a while too. So I was just literally eating animal product, like animal meats and Mm -hmm. eggs. And so I felt so restricted. It was, it was messing with me mentally. Uh, That was like the biggest reason why I stopped was because I felt like I was going to go crazy on some like Lily's chocolate or nuts or something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it, it is kind of, I mean, I, I love a good steak, don't get me wrong, but I like to be able to have the option to eat, you know, outside of that if I
1: want to, you know? Right. Like I was dying because I got those, that shipment of keto bricks that you launched <laughs> that one night. I got that and I'm like doing carnivore. I'm like, I know this isn't carnivore, but I'm about to have a piece of it because I have to.
0: <laughs> hey, well, if you're going to cheat on your dad, that's the way to do it.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So but yeah, what's, what's was the just, next
0: experiment anything else in the pipeline?
1: I don't know so I I think that I am ready to not be cutting I, I posted about that today um, I think that I'm going to try and and do kind of like a, a hopefully a moderate to like bulk where I don't gain body fat. But I would love to build some more muscle. That's that's kind of my goal right now. I don't know that I'm gonna do anything crazy experiment wise, but um I I would love I just, you know, got into the whole vlogging thing with the carnivore, and so I'd love to somewhat document this whole process, but oh, we'll see. It's I it's hard being sure. <laughs> it's hard being a woman and trying to do kind of like a a surplus. <laughs>
0: I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that I have, um, like all of my female clients are they just worry when I tell them that, okay, we're going to increase your calories now. And it's, it's like, um, like you tell that to guys and they're like, oh yeah, let's increase it. I'm going to get huge. <laughs> you know, you tell that to, to females. <laughs> they're like, am, am I going to get any, any weight at all? If so, then we can't do this. And yeah. it, it's funny because like, there's just such a psychological disconnect there between, you know what people desire versus what their body actually needs but i mean i could i could tell women all day long yeah, this is what you need for like <laughs> your long-term overall health it's going to set you up in a better foundation to lose body fat later but yeah. i don't think it i don't know they don't hear it in my words but for you as a female you know saying that like i think you documenting that journey like people are gonna be much more in tune to listening to you
1: yeah it's it is funny Because like I have several clients that I'm reverse dieting right now, because when they started with me, they were like 11, 1200 calories. And, you know, they when I instantly am like, all right, well, the reason why you've not been able to lose weight for the past, you know, four months is because your body's literally like starving. It's not prime to lose weight. We've got to reverse you. You know, it's it's one thing telling a client that and and getting them to do that and trust you to do that, but then convincing yourself to do it, it's like, I don't know, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, like for me, I don't know, like I, I look I think honestly being a competitor makes that decision much easier because like if I was to do a competition every year, and I'll tell those people whether they're competitors or not, because then they kinda like make sense in their mind. But like if I was to do a competition every single year and, you know, not really give myself a productive off season. I would look the same every single year. Like I would bring nothing new to the stage. Whereas if I take that time off, that's why I'm not competing again until 2020. Like I'm taking some time off and then I'm I'm doing 6,000 calories right now. Like I'm going to get fat, like it's going to happen. Uh, (laughs) But I'm going to put on a bunch of muscle too. And when I cut down, I'm going to look noticeably better and more improved from the last time I stepped on stage. So having that constant, that's why I think maintenance is like like just toxic mindset. Like if you have that, okay, what can I do to improve? Then it makes it much easier to accept, you know, going into a surplus.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, And I mean, it's taken me a little bit of time to, to have that mindset, but I know like, I know that if I don't have a focus or if I don't have a goal, I feel, I feel so lost in every aspect of my life. Kind of like, you and I were talking about how if you you know, you have chaos, you you focus better in chaos. But like mm-hmm. in a way, that's that's I guess how I I function is I have to I can't be like non-goal oriented. I have to have some kind of focus, whether it be, you know, cutting, which obviously everyone wants to cut during the summer. So I'm like, it's about to be September. I think it is acceptable for me to go ahead and start trying to bulk a little bit i'll be getting my winter coat out soon so (laughs) it won't be that bad i'll be able to cover up a little bit but um just having that that mind frame that like i mean if you want to if you want to look a certain way you have to be willing to put in the work and and to accept the changes that have to happen and the work that has to be done and the you know the not so pleasant Part of it, which is gaining a little bit of fat, but um one hundred percent, yeah. the The end result is always what keeps you going.
0: What do you tell female clients? We're, we're just gonna start, start going on the list here of all the the misconceptions in the <laughs> fitness and health industry. But female clients that come to you and say, "I don't want to lift weights because I don't want to get huge. I only want to be toned, so I should just do cardio," right?
1: Oh gosh, that one right there. Oh. I could, I could go on and on and on about that. But, um, you know, I have clients say that all the time. They're like, well, I just want to do cardio cause I want to lose body fat. And, but I want to look toned. I want to have that muscle tone. And so my immediate response is you got to lift some weights. Like I, <laughs> you know, you have to, you want muscle tone. You've got to build that muscle to have that tone. <laughs> you yeah, know? absolutely. So, I mean, it's, It's hard to instill in women's mind that just because you pick up a dumbbell doesn't mean you're gonna gain five pounds of muscle. Promise you that because it's way harder.
0: (laughs) I think think they just see like the the super jacked female bodybuilder magazine covers and they just assume that's what they're gonna look like. um, You know, in a week's time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not at all. Uh, It makes me sad. I'm like, do you understand? Like, and I have I have transformation pictures from when like before i started lifting to now where you know i've built my quads and i've i've built my shoulders and things like that and so i try every time i post a picture like that to tell show people the time difference i mean jan or what was it june last year was when i started really focusing on building my legs and now i've actually gotten them to a point where you can you know noticeably see a difference and and I'm like, that took almost a year and a half, almost a full year and a half to build myself that way. Like, I promise mm-hmm. you, you will not get bulky just by picking up a dumbbell or a barbell.
0: <laughs> so how, how long have you been keto now in total?
1: Um, it'll be two years in January.
0: And you started training, uh, resistance training, you know, pretty intensely about a year and a half ago?
1: Um, yeah, it was about, it was about... May, June of last year, I started so it's fairly
0: <laughs> safe to say that you've built the majority of your muscle with keto.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that that is one thing that like I I love to show and to to prove to people is that it is 100 percent possible to build muscle on keto because there for a little bit last year. uh during the winter, I did like kind of like a mini bulk where I was eating in surplus keto wise. Um, so I intentionally was trying to build muscle. And um, I mean, you can see that that it's it's possible. That's that's probably my most exciting part of it. And I don't think that I get that across to people much. But I'm like, you can't tell me that you can't build muscle on keto. Like I've done this without carbs. For a year and a half, you you can see the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Crystal's the same way. Like she didn't train really at all, and then she started. You know, she's been keto for three years now, I guess, and she started training about. She started keto about six months after she started training. But all the muscles she has now, I mean, she didn't build all that in the first six months. Like that's been the past several years. So you know, looking at her and looking at you, it's like there. I mean, there there should be no argument to that question um but for me and like a lot of the other you know youtubers or influencers in the keto space like we all had a pretty good base before with carbs and yeah. it, it's frustrating because it's like people point to that and like oh you already had I mean you can't build muscle on keto that was already there that's why that's why I'm so motivated to do this 6,000 you know calorie thing because it's like okay I'm just gonna you know <laughs> slap that yeah. notion out of your out of your hand because I mean you can definitely build muscle with keto I, I know for a fact that over the past four years, I may be in strict keto that I've put on substantial muscle.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean you you get frequent embodies and things like that. And I know they aren't the best way to uh, to assess things, but if you're doing it consistently and and you're seeing the change, I mean, yeah, it, I mean it's not you you've obviously changed from when you went keto to now, and that difference, no one can tell you that you did it with carbs, so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. yeah, exactly. Well, what's, what's, uh, what's next? What are you excited about now going for? Actually, before I ask you that question, what about your kiddo? Is he, what's the whole outlook with him and keto?
1: So we are, we've tried, you know, we, we are trying, we're in the process. It's, it's hard because there are not so many keto friendly options for kids. And, and we don't want to just like, give him you know an adkins bar or something like that that's you know not really really keto we we want to him a keto break yeah yeah he loves the keto <laughs> break I, I sent you a video on him eating that he loves it but um but yeah it's it's a struggle just because you know obviously before i was keto he was eating all of the stuff and so if that's one thing that i've noticed it sugar addiction is real because i mean my almost 3 year old loves you know goldfish and chocolate chip muffins and things and so breaking him of those things not buying them just intentionally trying to buy like parmesan crisps instead of goldfish or you know giving him cheese sticks and and berries like strawberries and blueberries and you know still trying to give him yogurt i mean we're trying to be intentional about it as often as we can now when he goes to his grandparents house <laughs> it's a different yeah. story because you know you, you want you you want them to follow your rules but you also uh, it's it's hard it's hard as a parent like I, I know there are several people out there in the keto space that that are strict with their kids and um, I mean, I guess everybody's outlook is different, but while he's home and when he's with us, we try our best to make sure that he is getting a lower carb diet to set him up for a better, better life.
0: Yeah, that's that's the best way to go about it. I'm I'm curious to see, like, if I wind up having kids, I don't I don't know what protocol or technique I'll use to kind of keep him keto, but it'll be interesting to see when that time comes because I would imagine. You know, anytime they go to like a friend's house or like grandparents, you know, it's just—I mean, there's there's no oversight there, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's—I mean, you know, you can you can tell your parents all day long, hey, he can only have this, he can only have that, but I mean, knowing if they follow through or knowing if you know, oh, one little Hershey Kiss won't hurt turns into ten kind of thing. Exactly. You know, (laughs) it. I mean, it's it's a it's a struggle. It's a daily struggle, but. You know, I feel like us as his parents trying to give him the best options. I don't ever I don't want to force my child to be keto, just like I don't feel like people should force their kids to be vegan or should force their kids to be carnivore. I mean, no one forced me to be keto. I chose that. And so obviously I can all I can do is just show him why we're doing this and, and hope that he sees the benefit of it and chooses that. But, you know, that, that, that also goes back to, you know, parenting styles. So.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, you know, leading by example, that's the best thing you can do.
1: Yeah, that's what you try.
0: <laughs> so, so what's, uh, what's on the forefront? What's, what's next in your life uh, that's got you excited?
1: <sighs> Honestly, I'm, just building my coaching business I've gotten a lot of uh response from the article that launched in Women's Health magazine um I mean I was full with clients prior to that but just the exposure has um I feel like opened up several doors to some of the the bigger names in the keto community and I'm I have lots of goals. I have lots of dreams. I'd love, love, love to write a book on my story one day. Um, You know, I'm going to KetoCon next year, which I'm really excited about because I feel like that's going to be a great place to network with people. And I'm just trying to meet you in person. Yeah. Well, I would I would really hope like I think I was just talking to Christos about that the other day um about how he's trying to get you to come down this way <laughs> and he's yeah. like Are you in front I of got got no i'm in north carolina so he was just in north carolina uh doing right, some right. Stuff cabin. On and stuff. yeah so he was like i think he's about four hours away wherever he stays from me and he's like well i'm trying to get robert down here so i'll keep you updated <laughs> so maybe hey, we'll, we'll have it. like a general east coast meetup before keto con that would be cool um,
0: i think we should totally spend some time energy and figure out like how to set up you know these meetups and like these collaborations because that's something i've really been thinking a lot about lately and i would love to make that a reality like there's there's the conferences which i totally advocate and i'm going to try and attend every single one of them but like these more like laid back less formal meetups just kind of pop up or all the yeah. place like i think that is something that that we should definitely try and ignite for sure.
1: Yeah. Just though, just you learn, I mean, just the personable, you know, aspect of it. You, you see people on social media and like, I know that was one thing that, that you talked about with like Keto Connect with Matt and Mega. Like, you're like, these people are legit just as awesome in person as they are online. And so, you know, you, you want, you want to have that experience. You want to like show people like, yeah, this is social media. And, you know, you do see a lot of the highlight reel from some people, but also like, this is who I truly am. I, I tr- that's, I've said that. I try to portray my entire, you know, human person online and it, it would be so neat to, to actually meet face to face with people that are as passionate about what you're doing as you are.
0: Absolutely. Well let's put our heads together. We'll, we'll do some we'll do some thinking on this because I've got some ideas. We'll run about by I'll run them by you and we'll see if we can get something yeah, that works.
1: We need to. Whenever you get less busy. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't that'll that's happen ever gonna happen. <laughs> that will yeah,
0: happen. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's probably more busy but in a in a good way for sure.
1: Yeah, I know. No. And I'm excited for everything that, that you've got going on too. you just just in the past couple months you guys have Done so much and it's awesome. And I I can't thank you and Crystal both enough for everything you guys do for the keto community.
0: It's kind of crazy. Like, I feel like we're so deep in the trenches that I oftentimes feel like I'm not, you know, putting enough out there or communicating as much as I should. Like, I'm so far behind on my Facebook messages and my Instagram DMs. Like, I'm still going to get to every single one of them, but I'm just behind on them. And it's frustrating (laughs) because I, I want to you know, like I, I wish I could just respond to everybody instantly and just be right there. And cause I owe any success that I see to the community. Like that that's yeah. it 100%. Um, so I want to just find a way to give back as much as I possibly can, but it's, it's cool to, to see the momentum build and, and, you know, be met with the support and excitement that I have from, you know, yourself and other other people in the, in the space.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody understands. I mean, you have those, those few people who are like, they feel entitled to talk to people, but I think everyone understands you guys are really busy and you're doing great things. And, and we all know, you know, you, you're, you're one of the, you both are one of the couples that literally just give yourselves so freely to everyone and are so transparent and people see that they don't take that for granted.
0: Well, I, I appreciate that. That means the world to me, honestly. I mean, we've always wanted to just be as authentic and real as possible and to get feedback from people saying, you know, we like you because you're so real. Like that's like the best compliment that I could ever receive. Cause I mean, that's, that's what we want to be.
1: Yeah. That's what you strive for.
0: Yeah. 100%. And, and likewise, I mean, you're, you're the real deal too. You know, like that's, that's why I was drawn to you. Once I have want to have you on the show to kind of share your story. Um, 'Cause I mean you've got a cool story, you've got you've got a lot of impact that you can make and and you're doing good good things. So thank you, Lauren.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying. It's it's a it's a blessing for sure. Um never in a million years did I think that I would be trying to spread, you know, this whole story. Never did I think that I would have a story to spread, but you know, and sharing my before pictures, like those pictures that i never thought would be plastered all over the internet now are out there for people to see but you know if if that whole thing helps one person then i have done something that i can be proud of
0: when you found something in life that you feel so convicted to tell and spread the word on then you can rest assured that you found your calling i mean that's it's like a a really good, like litmus test. Like, you know, that you're on the right track in life.
1: I totally agree. I, I, it's, I never thought that something like this would be my passion, but it is, I just, when I launched my coaching business in January, when I made it public, um, you know, there was a lot of weird feedback. People were like, oh, you're, you know, trying to make money off of helping people, but it's not really even that. It's, You know, I'm taking a lot and, you know, you're taking a lot of time from your loved ones and your family to help other people that you've got to make some kind of livelihood of it. But, you know, you also, you got to, you got to do it because you love it. You got to, if I, I feel sorry for the people who are living their lives and doing things that they don't love because it is. I mean, I was doing that for four years before I started this. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just it's it's amazing to be able to live a dream that you didn't even know you had before all of this happened. And and it's awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited that you're just going with it. Like so many people are so risk averse that they don't ever take that chance. And to see you taking that chance, it's it's inspiring, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, it's scary, but it's worth it. I love it.
0: 100%. Well, Lauren, what can people go to find out more about you?
1: Um. So I am on Instagram as uh, keto underscore coach underscore Lauren. Um, I also have a website for my coaching, which is lbnutritionandfitness.com. I am, however, in the um, midst of rebranding. So everything I do. Soon will be just Keto Coach Lauren uh, trying to trying to just get that name out there and and publicize that more than just my actual uh, coaching business as as a little small town thing. So um, that there will be some changes here soon. But Instagram is where I share most everything. That's where, you know, my platform is right now. I wish I was more active on Facebook but I just find Instagram something super easy to to uh, navigate and I do have a YouTube channel um, that's keto coach Lauren as well that I'm hoping to be more active on soon I'm you know I did the carnivore challenge I want to do a detailed video about my story and and just more keto information things so
0: definitely definitely do that I highly encourage you to be active on YouTube I mean there's It's like a really great connection you get with the audience. Like it's, it's a, it's a good way of communication for sure.
1: Yeah. I'm learning. I'm still learning, (laughs) but it's, you know, (laughs) it's it's fun though. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lauren, I'll link out to all those places so that we can spread the word of Keto Coach Lauren. And um, yeah, I just really appreciate you jumping on the show here and talking with me because you got a cool story. and. I'm just, I'm motivated by by it, and I'm inspired to see kind of what you've done with your life and making it, you know, approachable to others that can relate with you and have been through similar walks of life like that. That's that's key.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Uh, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Well, until we do a meetup in North Carolina, I'll talk to you soon.
1: <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Take care, Lauren.